This is Geek Gab with your host, John, Brian, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, December 24th, 2016. And a big Merry Christmas to all who are listening. And, uh, of course, my awesome and fantabulous co-hosts and our special guest for today welcome welcome to the show and i want to pronounce this correctly it is yakov murkov am i right uh not exactly pretty close well welcome to the show anyway despite my linguistic illiteracy so um it is christmas eve or will be Christmas Eve when it gets a little bit darker outside. I don't know when the exact line is between Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, but uh, Merry Christmas to everybody listening, and also Happy Hanukkah, and also Happy Merry to all of my homies out at Greendale College. So, Greendale Community College. Today, we're talking about two movies, Assassin's Creed and Rogue One. And rather than spending a lot of time ramping up to that, we're just we're just gonna almost pretty much jump right in. But first, I want to give both my co-hosts a chance to say hi. Hey, Merry Christmas! Uh, thanks for coming on, Yakov. Thank you. Yeah, seconded. Thanks, Merry Christmas. Glad to have you. Do we have before we jump right into the movie discussion any uh, any announcements or cool things that happened or Neat, neat, neat stuff that you think our listeners would care to hear? Well, I'd like to thank our listeners, because I know that uh, my readers are among them, and my third Soul Cycle novel, Secret Kings, had a fantastic launch, hugely successful, really still going on, and uh, just a reminder, first two books, Ethereal and Soul Dancer, are still on sale, but yeah, thanks to my readers, you're awesome. Anything, uh, anything for you, John? Oh uh, no, it's it's been Christmas and Star Wars uh, around here. We're getting ready to, you know, as you mentioned last week, welcome, we're welcoming a puppy into our home next week. So, I'm I'm busy. Okay, busy dog proofing the house, <laughs> preparing the cats. You know. Um, by the way, folks, uh, the other movie, the other big movie that's out right now is Passengers. I have not seen that. I don't know if any of us have seen that, but if uh, we do get a chance to see that, we might talk about that next week. Uh, that is, however, just a might. It's not a big, bad promise. But in return for not talking about pro passengers, we're going to start off talking about Assassin's Creed because we didn't promise that. So that's like a little bit of extra on the show. I saw Assassin's Creed. Did anybody else? Has anybody else seen it? Not me. I have not. And I'm guessing that's a no from Brian. Um, that's correct. I have not played through an entire Assassin's Creed game, but I have played bits and pieces of four of them. Um, and if what you're looking for in a movie is a movie that gives you the visuals of Assassin's Creed that's built around the barest plot of Assassin's Creed, that is the struggle, and I'm not going to give anything away. See, people are going to scream spoilers at this point, but everything I'm telling you is contained in the introductory text scrawl to the movie. I do not consider it a legitimate 
spoiler, if people watching the first 10 seconds of the movie would receive the exact same information. So this is not a spoiler. This is exactly what they want you to know going into the movie. So please don't get upset. There are two groups who, down through the shadows of time, have been fighting a war in the secret places of society. And apparently, I'm just guessing, they don't actually say this, but apparently all of human history has been a side effect of the struggles between the Templar Order, the evil Templar Order, and the noble, the decent, the honorable Assassin's Order or Assassin's Creed, which is, I should note, where they get the name of the video games and the movies from. So, there is this ancient artifact called the Apple of Eden. And this ancient artifact is what gave humanity free will. And if the evil Templars, the evil Knights Templar, capture this artifact, they can find within it the key to free will and eradicate free will in humanity. And then there will be no more war there will be no more crime, and everything will be perfect. So the story of the movie is the story of one son of the assassins fighting against the evil, oppressive Templars. They, I can give a review of this movie in a very, very succinct statement. The movie isn't very good, but it also isn't very bad. Other than a ton of explanations and reasoning going missing, there aren't any major plot holes. You don't understand why people are doing anything, but the movie doesn't take any great sudden leaps forward like happened with Suicide Squad. However, the movie is kind of disturbing on several levels, at least to me. And I, I wish I could encapsulate all of them quickly, but the fact that the evil villains are an order of Christian knights and the good guys are an order of Muslim assassins who have somehow been transformed into really being atheists, assassins, was really befuddling to me. And the, this is where I move past the bare technicals of the movie. All the technical details are fine. Has good actors in it. They deliver good performances. It has excellent special effects. Everything is shot beautifully and composited beautifully. The action scenes are fairly typical for modern action scenes in that they're a little bit confusing, but not as confusing as other movies. 
in the modern world, we have never had a more technically adept group of uh, cinematographers and actors and special effects artists, uh, costume designers, set designers, yada, yada, yada. Never in all of history have we had a more skilled group of people wedding all that talent to absolute uh, I'm going to say moral degeneracy is the term that's coming to mind. But let me explain. The Assassin's Creed is this. And I want you to listen to this carefully, because this is where I get into editorializing, not just reviewing. This is what the Assassins repeat when they're inducting a person into the Assassin's Order. So this is directly from the movie. Where other men blindly follow the truth, remember, nothing is true. Where other men are limited by morality or law, remember, everything is permitted. We work in the dark to serve the light. We are assassins. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. That's their moral code. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. And it is based on a statement by the actual historical head of the Guild of Assassins when he made it before he was killed. But you can't really, it doesn't make any sense. Because in addition to this moral code, that's the creed. When they call it the Assassin's Creed, that which I just repeated, is the creed. And yet they also have the three tenets, the three behavioral restrictions that all assassins must obey. Stay your blade from the flesh of an innocent, hide in plain sight, be one with the crowd, and never compromise the brotherhood. So apparently, when they say everything is permitted, they don't actually mean everything is permitted. And yet, these other three tenets are not a major part of the movie. I think they're mentioned maybe once. The moral code is very confusing, but yet at the same time, a moral code of everything is permitted is one of the most wicked moral systems that could possibly exist. It's like an anti-moral code, isn't it? Yeah. It's a blanket. Yeah, it's nihilism. If, I mean, if everything's permitted, it's not a moral code, right? Yeah, because there's there's no restrictions on your behavior. So, no, it's you're exactly right. Because if, if nothing is true, okay, that, that would have to include this. So the creed itself isn't true. It's self-negating. <laughs> it's just dumb. Very edgy. Yeah. So... The, the problem, my big problem with the movie was not with the action. It wasn't with the excitement. It wasn't even with the characterization, though there are some flaws there. Um, it's just that there's no point to any of it. I mean, we're told that these assassins are the heroic people saving the world, saving free will. But why would they do that? I mean, why would they care? Why would you risk your life and die? If you're a person who doesn't believe in anything, that nothing is true, then it doesn't matter other than as a pure statement of selfishness to try and save your ability to do whatever it is you want to do. It's, it's confusing. There are no heroes. There are no villains. There is nothing that makes the struggle going on in the movie worthwhile. It doesn't resonate. There's nothing that gives it greater moral weight or heft. Like in the Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings movies, one of the things they did bring across was the, that, that came through was the moral weight and heft of struggling against a dictator because they 
were small, especially the hobbits, were small, weak people who were good men, who were farmers, who were not warriors, who were not cut out for this, and yet they voluntarily left their comfortable existence to go out and do something. There is a moral struggle, a moral heft, a meaningfulness to the conflict in The Lord of the Rings that Assassin's Creed just doesn't lack. And so I found it to be um, absolutely uh, pointless, meaningless. It was just fancy images. And uh, mentioned in, uh, being mentioned in the chat, yes, the moral code of everything is permitted is in point of fact, uh, the moral code of Aleister Crowley, who supposedly the self-proclaimed wickedest man in the world, um, do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. Or do as thou wilt be the whole of the law. So, yeah, very, very disappointing. There is absolutely no moral code in it, no moral core of the movie, and it makes everything that happens in the process of the plot completely meaningless. So. That's just a continuation of the game. I, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. I mean, the, the games themselves, are they get to the point where not only does the code make no sense, um, and it's just sort of a backdrop for you to be a cool assassin, but then they uh, they fill the games with so many silly mini-games and, and things that that you just act, they actively make you bored because there's no meaning to any of it. Um, so I want to compare and contrast that now. Moving on. Uh, from Assassin's Creed, I want to compare and contrast that to Rogue One. I've seen Run Rogue One. John's seen Rogue One. Yakov has seen Rogue One. Yeah. And so I want to, the introduction to Rogue One and where it links in is that Rogue One is actually about, at least technically speaking, a moral struggle between the rebellion and the empire. And so we don't have to spend all our time discussing it, but that's a good way to, to shift us over to the Rogue One discussion. Uh, I'll let whoever wants to go first, go first. I'll start. I thought Rogue One was not a good movie. Were you hoping for more than that? I, I'm pretty sure our audience will need more than that. Fan, yes. Fantastic. <laughs> So I think a lot of what you said about Assassin's Creed sort of is mirrored here. I, there are actors in it. They mostly act well. Um, notable exception. I don't know what was going on with uh, um, Forrest Whitaker, but worst cameo ever. Um, other than that, uh, very surprising uh, exception. Like the acting was good. Uh, uh, direction was, was okay, I guess. I mean, it, it was watchable. Um, and they came at it from like a, a war movie perspective. Uh, instead of like a standard swashbuckling Star Wars, uh, you know, pulp adventure perspective. But the, um, I want to say that what the, the plot, I guess, was strung together as, as well as it could. There, there were a couple of things that I didn't like about the plot, but I think what killed me uh, the most was a boring uh, first act, first and second acts, uh, just trying to get everybody to the place where they had to, you know, steal the Death Star plans. Um, and it, it was a shame that it was such a waste of the first half of the movie because uh, there's a lot of character moments in it between the characters. Uh, like, you know, uh, they, a lot of people on Twitter made fun of the, uh, you know, the new Disney-fied uh, Diversitopia. You know, they, they had to have one of everybody on, on the Rogue One uh, crew. 
which which actually was fine. Um, but they all, you know, were brought together at the end, and there's this sense of camaraderie, you know, when they finally had their their final battle, and none of it was earned. Uh, and what I mean is, they spent the whole first half of the movie setting up uh, the the events that lead up to capturing the the Death Star plans. They spend almost no time setting up all the different characters that are in it, or and the ones that are set up are, um, you know, set up poorly or or flatly or full of cliches. Uh, yes, the you know the the one uh, Chinese guy who's on the team. Yeah, he's an expert martial artist who in a different age would have become a Jedi, right? Uh, we gathered as much from the from the trailers. But the interpersonal relationships weren't developed. So when you get that get to that core at the end uh, of like a war movie where uh, you know you've got these uh, you know the, the sort of band of brothers idea where they're all fighting with each other and for each other, right? None of that camaraderie is earned. It's all sort of flat, you know, despite the actors giving it their, you know, their best efforts on screen. Uh, and for me, the, that means that th they basically wasted half the movie in all that in, in not setting up the right things for um, what was actually a really satisfying ending. I really liked uh, when they finally got to the actual mission and the actual war. It was very exciting. Um, I I'm glad that I, that I was not asleep by that point. Uh, so that's how I felt about the movie. Um, Yakov, do you want to take it? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. That whole opening, like, it just, it really shouldn't have even been there, I don't think. Like, it should have just started from the present. We didn't need that whole flashback at all. Like, it, it just, and it also, while we're at it, there was no reason that it had to be her father who was one building the Death Star. Like, Star Wars doesn't need to always be a family thing. And it's just, like, one of those things that just, they did it because I guess they wanted to try and make that more Star Wars-y, but it just, just wasted a lot of time and then like we said the last the last act was really really good but there was so much wasted space and like also forrest whitaker was wasted completely i think mads mickelson also was kind of wasted he didn't get to do much at all yeah yeah and i want to i want to explain further the the backstory that you're talking about because we were both pretty vague about it. it it's the idea that the main character the rogue one uh woman is the daughter of the guy who designed the death star played by Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, total waste of his talents. But none of that backstory had to be there. Like, it, I don't think it was necessary for for that personal family touch. Not only did it not really add anything to the narrative, but going back to what I was saying, it's one of the things that took away from them building up all the other characters in the whole team. Yeah. Um, let me toss this out then. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Um, and I did not, apparently I did not find the first half of the movie as boring as a lot of other people did. I didn't find it super exciting, but I watched it. I wasn't bored. I wasn't falling asleep and I wasn't looking away at my watch. So, um, the, let, let me go into the, the technical details real quick. The audience may or may not know that at some point shortly before or about a year or six months before releasing the movie, they got a big bump in budget to where they could add a bunch of um, special effects they didn't get a chance, they wouldn't be able to before, or wouldn't have been able to before, and um, apparently executives at uh, Lucasfilm or Disney were pressing them to make it more action-oriented, more adventure-oriented. So they reshot 
a good 30% or 40% of the movie. Um, it apparently greatly changed how the last third of the movie went. And uh, if you saw any of the trailers, you will notice that many of the key moments that were highlighted in the trailers, that were featured in the trailers, like uh, Forrest Whitaker's monologue, um, the infamous line, well, this is a rebellion, I rebel. And uh, her facing down, apparently, a TIE fighter, none of those things uh, are in the movie. There's, uh, you know, somebody went through and checked, like, 40 shots or 50 shots that were in these commercials that never show up in the movie because they got thrown away when they reshaped that last third of the movie. Um, they had, they used old footage from Star Wars, footage that had been shot as part of Star Wars, but had never been used in Star Wars, uh, the first movie, in the movie. So when you have someone saying, uh, this is Gold Leader, that's actually footage that was originally shot for Star Wars that they're using of the person who is Gold Leader in the final attack on the Death Star in Star Wars. And then they did a couple of weird things that I've heard a lot of people applaud greatly. At one point, and this is kind of a spoiler, but it's a very, very small one. Um, Moth Tarkin, Grand Moth Tarkin, um, and Princess Leia both show up in the movie for varying amounts of time. Both of them are uh, heavily computer-generated characters, obviously, because the gentleman who plays Moff Tarkin is actually technically dead. So it was difficult to get his agent to agree to him appearing in the movie, him being in the ground and dead. So, mostly dead. <laughs> so the next best thing was they built they cast an actor who looks much much like him and who sounds almost exactly like him and then covered his face with uh, a computer simulacrum this is of course the same trick that they used in the running man and uh, also a set 1970s dystopian movie, the name of which I can't recall, but I saw it when I was little. So Peter Cushing sort of shows up for a performance, and I didn't think Cushing looked that bad. It, it didn't look obviously fake, not like the Princess Leia did. Princess Leia looked terrible, in my humble opinion. Awful. Just awful. Very, very noticeable. Um, Can I interrupt? I'd love to interrupt. One of the things that killed me about those is, is that they spent so much screen time on them. If I were cutting the movie and I had these sort of, you know, hokey CGI faces, I wouldn't have many scenes where I linger on their faces. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I liked most of the characters um, when they weren't actually going, actively going out of their way to annoy me. And uh, Jen Urso is the main character, the main chick is actively going out of her way to annoy me at a couple of different instances, but it wasn't as bad as I feared it would be. Specifically, she physically beats down like three, four stormtroopers with a club, which it, that just doesn't make any sense. I'm sick of the action girl, uh, Hollywood action girl, Waif Thu, uh, or what did, uh, what did John C. Wright call it? Um, fairy Thu, Pixie Thu. 
That's what he called it, pixie food, where a teeny tiny pixie beats the crap out of a giant using just her bare fists and moxie. Um, but that only happened once. It wasn't throughout the whole movie. It's not like she was kung fuing her way through the entire movie. They left that up to Donnie Yen, and that was cool. I liked all of the characters in this movie. I thought they were more, they had more characterization or more interesting than anyone from The Force Awakens. Um, in fact, what I was thinking during the last half of the movie is, I wish we could just kill off everybody from The Force Awakens and make a sequel with these characters because I don't care about Finn or Rey. I care about Poe Dameron a little bit. He at least was interesting. He might be able to hang with this group of characters, but Poe, uh, Mary Sue, and uh, Mary Sue and Finn just bored the heck out of me, and I would rather, and Kylo Ren, they all bored the heck out of me. I would rather see them killed off and these characters put in their place. Um, so, I don't know. There are some flaws in the movie, but I did enjoy it. And many people found the first half of it boring. I didn't. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I've got one more comment, but it's not really part of a review. So I'll, I'll let this skate out to everybody else. Or if we have questions either from the chat or from Brian, now's a good time to do it. What do you say, Brian? Are you thinking about seeing it now that you've heard uh, what we had to say? No, because the quality of the film is relevant. My yes. self-respect is too high a price to pay for movie admission. <laughs> you're you're uh, you're referring to the to the the blatant uh, the hate and SJWism coming from the writers. Well, I don't want to skirt um, bending the rules because unlike in the Assassin's Creed, not everything is permitted here, and that's as it should be. But let's put it this way: um, Tor Books calls me a Nazi; they don't get my money. Lucasfilm calls me a Nazi; they don't get my money. It's pretty easy. I see. And, and, and as far as the content of the film goes, I was sort of worried about that sort of thing. I was worried about politics entering the movie, but like Daddy Warpig was saying, there, there was a pixie foo scene, you know, a little a little extra girl power. That's sort of par for the course these days. I, I We weren't hit over the head with, uh, with politics, uh, good or bad. Um, so that was a nice relief. Yeah, there, yeah, there weren't any heavy-handed political messages, which was nice. Yeah, I was very worried a little for a little while, and then sat down, and it was fine. Like, I had no real complaints. Like, yeah. exactly. Like, the writers were just sort of hamming it up on Twitter. Not a big deal. Um, do uh, do either of you have any major points that you wanted to get out about the movie, about your experience watching it, or or thoughts about it? I think it didn't need to be a Star Wars movie. Like this, it really was just a sci-fi action movie. That was in the Star Wars setting. And that's really how it felt to me when I walked out of it. It just like like I think there was an article that Brian linked to about how it's like it was not fun. And I kind of get what it was saying. It's just does it didn't really feel like Star Wars, which I guess is part of the point that we're trying to do, but it's still it's it's still weird. Yeah, they, they could have like say Battle Beyond the Stars or any one of the, you know. Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers. Now, I'm naming, by the way, science fiction action movies from the 1970s that were a little bit darker than uh, Star Wars or a lot darker than Star Wars. It could have been a movie along those lines and would have been just fine. Uh, there was nothing about the Star Wars, other than the fact that they were stealing plans for the Death Star, there's nothing about the movie that really mandated it be in the Star Wars universe. That is true. By the way, Ben Rodriguez in the chat uh, really wants one of us to say, 
the mad scientist's beautiful daughter. <laughs> which, which reminds me of the trope from uh, Mecha anime about the uh, the mech engineer's son being forced to pilot the mech at some point. But she she there. is, by the way, Jen Urso, the main character, is a mad scientist's beautiful daughter. Okay. I I don't I don't want to do a big thing about this, but this was an interesting comment. I watched the um Red Letter Media review of Rogue One, and I disagreed with a lot of it. They did make one good point, um, which is this. The climax of the movie should not have been a battle on a tropical paradise. The climax of the movie should have been them, a hand-picked group of highly skilled rebel operatives gathered from all across the galaxy, this ragtag group of rebels specifically gathered for their expertise in some different area, put on a shuttle and inserted into the Death Star itself to steal the plants. The climax of the movie should have occurred on the Death Star. It should have been a little bit like a cross between um, the Dirty Dozen and something like Ocean's Eleven on the Death Star with superbly skilled uh, rebel infiltrators. That would, just in concept, that is a much, much better concept than what actually got put on the film. And that could so, allow for a better a better beginning, a better lead-up to that also. So they could have actually built to the mission as opposed to the mission being the, the main characters basically going rogue from the rebels on their own. Like, See, and I think I think it would have been cool. This just occurred to me right now. If the father disappears and the girl thinks her father's dead, and nobody knows where the father is, nobody knows about the father, they go to land on the Death Star, and everything goes to pieces. The Imperials are everywhere. They're not going to get anywhere. And all of a sudden, she finds out that her dad's alive, and he's on the Death Star, and he's the one who helps them finally get the plans, and then dies a dramatic, tells her about what he's done. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much. I mean, I, we've, we've thrown out a bunch of spoilers. Sorry, folks. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but tells her what he's done, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, great, and then they go and do whatever they need to do to get the plans to the rebellion. That would have been a far, far more meaningful and dramatic and moving ending to the movie. And I have killed the conversation yet again. I have to do, I think, I think that's official now. Is that in our bylaws now? That I have to do that at least once an episode? It's your shtick now. <laughs> I dropped something so stunning, so brilliant and moving. <laughs> we have no choice but to masticate on its implications. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So anyways, I did, I did enjoy the movie. I thought they did a lot of stuff right. Um, I thought the character of the reprogrammed Imperial droid was interesting. He was funny. Um, Saw Guerrera was interesting. His death was stupid. He should have come with them on the mission. Um, there were a lot of quote-unquote generic things or cliched things. If you do cliches well, they're not really cliches. They're tropes. Um, people's distaste of them meant that the movie did not do them as well as they should have. So... I would accept that as a valid criticism because it seems like most people did not find those things to be as interesting as they should have been. Um, I also measure this movie. I saw it in what could have, what was probably the most annoying way to see this movie. Um, 
Salt Lake City Comic Con gave away tickets to go see this movie like technically two hours before it opened. So I actually saw the movie two hours before it opened because my brother-in-law and my sister were going to go see it, but my sister couldn't go, so she offered me the ticket, so I went and saw it for free. Um, I would have paid for it. I just didn't have to. And so they had a half-hour opener where the organizers of Salt Lake City Comic Con and a couple of NCs were running up and down and yelling stuff and throwing out toys and, and all that. And then they told the people specifically, hey, if you see anything you like during the movie, applaud. And so, of course, when all of, you know, when things show up, like the very first time the deaths are, ah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was quite possibly the most annoying way I could have seen the movie, and yet the movie, that didn't bother me. It didn't make me think less of the movie. The movie was all right. It wasn't superbly great, but it was all right. I think I have a more positive opinion of it than um, Yakov or, or John. I mean, I, I felt it was a, a solid movie. It was enjoyable. It just felt, again, I didn't really feel like Star Wars in certain aspects. And I also add that my theater had an intermission in the middle of the movie. I think it's an Israeli thing, and I can't stand it. But, again, they would do it at the most awkward points in the movie. It's like in the middle of a conversation, and then all of a sudden the screen turns off, and you have to wait five minutes. But you can so. refill your drink and pee. <laughs> Silver lining. I hear you. If they timed it well, it wouldn't be so annoying. Again, I watched Fantastic Beasts in the same theater, and it was in the middle of a chase scene, and then all of a sudden the movie stops. So, oh, okay. Hey, that sucks. All right, do you have any? Uh, do you have any last questions, Brian? I am good, thank you. Uh, do we have? Is somebody even watching the chat? Do we have any questions in the chat that we need to answer before we go? Because we kind of missed those last time. So, oh no, it, it, the chat's been lively. We're all talking about the movie and everything, but no further questions. Okay, yeah, they're, they're they're fully geeking out on on Star Wars. It's okay. <laughs> they're under control. Uh, we have, uh, before we go, I want to give uh, thanks, uh, Yaka, for coming on. You have a book coming out in March, right? Yeah, March, March-ish. I'm, I'm waiting at this point for my cover art to be done because I didn't plan enough ahead. I should have started that process when the editing started, not when the editing was almost finished. So got some time to wait for that. I have a link to your WordPress blog in the yes. description of the video so people can go see that. Um, and when your book is close to coming out or has just come out, we'd like to invite you to come back on the show and we can talk about your book then. Yeah, great. That'd be awesome. Okay. Um, so I want to wish everyone a happy uh, Hanukkah, who is, uh, who is one of our Hebrew homies listening to the show. And... Somebody on Twitter was mad when I used that line. Um, oh, my Hebrew <laughs> homies. I'm like, come on, guys. You can't get mind. mad at me for that. I do enough other things you can get mad at me for. You can't get mad at me for that. Um, so happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Uh, we fully, uh, this is the end of the year. Last year was our, our two-year anniversary. So we want to thank everyone. We might actually have one more episode this year. We might do an episode next Saturday, which is the 31st instead of the 1st. We haven't talked about that yet. Um, but we've had a great year here on Geek Gab, um, and we've had a ton of great guests. We want to thank everyone who tunes in uh, to the show, either live to take uh, to participate in the chat or later through SoundCloud or Google Play or 
uh, iTunes, by the way. We're, we're available on all three of those. Just do a search for Geek Gab, and you can uh, subscribe to us. Or you can, of course, come to YouTube slash Geek Gab, youtube.com slash Geek Gab. Um, so thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, by the way, I just want to explain something, because apparently this went over people's heads. The choice of today's headline is an homage to Mad Magazine. It's not because it's assassinating Assassin's Creed and wrecking Rogue One. It, it, it's not indicative of my opinion of both movies. It's an homage to Mad Magazine. It's the only thing I could think of uh, when I was putting the headline together earlier today. So that's where that comes from. I, I was disappointed there weren't more people familiar with Mad Magazine who would clue into that. Am I wrong? Is Mad Magazine? I, I didn't catch it, but but you're right. It's it, definitely you're aping that style. More and more things just go down. The memory hole is expanding exponentially. Where pretty soon everything I released five minutes ago is is going to be bad and wrong and erased. So that's not, so it's not your fault. You just can't expect people to remember Mad Magazine, but that's sad. You can't oh, expect well. people to remember like stuff that happened yesterday. We gotta fix that. Yesterday was Friday, right? Uh, <laughs> for me, it was for me, it was Saturday at this point. <laughs> any any final words from Brian before we go? Yes, check out my book. Check out Yakov's book when it comes out. And don't feel bad, sir, because I made that cover art mistake twice. It wasn't until my third book that I figured out to <laughs> commission it during editing. So you're still on a good trajectory. Can't wait to read it. And I would like to point out that there is not yet a link to Secret Kings in the description, but by the time anybody who's listening to this later uh, listens, there will be a link to Secret Kings in the description of the video. Uh, any any last words, John? Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for listening. Any last words, Jacob? Thanks for having me. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to anybody, anybody and everybody. And yeah, and then I'm on Twitter. I'm on Gab. So if anybody wants to find me there, I try to be active. All right, folks, uh, we are signing off for today. Uh, we've given you all the information that you need to subscribe to the podcast, or you can keep coming back whenever we announce it that we're doing this live. Uh, we appreciate you all for turning in. And don't worry, we are leaving you for today, but we will be back. <laughs>